Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. My guest this episode is a cross-country and track athlete at Duke University, where in 2022, she was an all-ACC first-team selection as well as a second-team All-American as well as an all-ACC academic team member. She has written a new book. It is out now called The Player's Plate. She has also done some NIL deals with some of the most notable brands in America. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Emily Cole. doing great i'm so excited to be here thank you so much for having me tyler how are you doing <laughs> i am doing wonderful we were just chatting you're back living the busy life of a student athlete on campus training um getting this in part of the excitement in this new year i know was the launching of your book um so for love, sure. <laughs> love for you to tell us uh just a little bit about that and, and what inspired kind of the the work that you put into that and why you wanted to do it yeah absolutely so a little more background on me. I am a junior eligibility-wise and academically here at Duke. Mm-hmm. I should be a senior, but I took a gap semester. So I'm kind of behind and I'm actually super happy about that. But I am on the track and cross-country teams. And as a senior in high school, I had just started focusing on running. So all through high school, I did volleyball and basketball and um, cross country and track at the same time. I actually didn't cross country my sophomore year, but it was a lot. I was spread very thin and was just kind of all over the place and didn't honestly think that I was going to do sports in college. I was much more focused on academics, making sure grades were good and just kind of enjoying all the sports that I did across, but not really worried about having a D1 scholarship or anything like that. And my senior year, I was lucky enough to be able to run times that allowed that opportunity for me and that all kind of stemmed from the summer before my senior year getting very interested in sports nutrition as well as focusing on just running so I was no longer tired from volleyball and basketball practices and doing that in the morning and running in the afternoon I was like wow running doesn't have to feel terrible Um, (laughs) and it was also just really fascinating to me in general learning more about sports nutrition I actually started dating a guy whose family was um, much more into eating healthy and learned from them and started trying to cook my own meals and just was fascinated by how much better I felt. Like I love my parents and think they did an amazing job, like teaching us all the different values of working hard and doing academics and athletics, but we were never really taught how to eat or yeah. You know how to build a balanced meal and just kind of eat whatever whenever we had fast food all the time never really cooked um and so it was a big life change for me that summer and i was just fascinated by how much better i felt physically and in life like energetic wise and mental health wise so i became passionate about the the science behind sports nutrition and that's really what inspired me to get into it but what was the stimulus for the book was that first cross country season of my senior year, I had been running super great all summer. I was super excited. I, you know, felt like a completely different athlete. 
and I qualified for state for the first time. Wasn't even close before that. And um, the weekend before state, I felt really sick. I had been feeling pretty off for a month or two beforehand. Mm-hmm. I was harder for me to focus. I wasn't really spending as much time with my friends. I was definitely not doing as well, like mental health wise and was getting a lot more restrictive with my food too. Just a lot of different things were not pointing in the right direction. I was like, I just need to get through the state meet and then I can, you know, take a breather and figure everything out. Yeah. But I didn't get to it. So the night before the state meet, I actually um, was so sick. We were staying in a, a hotel in Austin and I had gone to bed at like 8 p.m. I was so tired. And, and my parents had asked my coach to come in with my roommates and check in on me. And so about an hour later, came in and like shook my shoulder and it looked like I had a seizure. So he called the ambulance and they found out that I was just extremely low in sodium. And I had no idea what electrolytes were at the time. So I actually ended up going into a two-day coma from being so low in sodium. And that was when I really just had a wake-up call being like, okay, I just learned so much and became so interested in sports nutrition, but clearly I have so much that I don't know. And also like the two biggest concepts of people like, Oh, it's super important to drink a bunch of water and then stay away from salt. It was like the two opposite of those things (laughs) were what what I needed to be doing. And the reason why it put me in such like a life threatening situation. And it was like, from the outside in, it looked like I was doing everything right. I looked super fit. I felt super great running. And so I think that was the scariest part was like to everyone, like societal standards, I was doing everything perfectly by book. And so that's why I really became inspired to write this guide, an unorthodox guide to sports nutrition, where I interview real athletes and registered dietitians and talk about their experiences. And I teach the fundamental concept of sports nutrition in the first half, but then the whole second half, it's more focused on these less tangible, more societal and psychological aspects of feeling that play such a big role in your success as an athlete as well. I love it. It's a great, inspiring <laughs> uh, story that turned out to, Thank to you. turned out to be good. And I, I love your approach that you took too, because I think that's one of the reasons I even have this podcast is is to speak and learn and grow through kind of an interview format and speak to people that have other experiences. Uh, what did you learn as you did those interviews besides kind of the nutrition and stuff? What were some other takeaways yeah. for you personally in that process? You know, I feel like it's a big thing for when you get into elite levels of athletics, everyone is always just like, what are the little things I can change? Like being super particular and strict on every little thing. And it was funny, the the more athletes that I spoke to, the more that they all came to the same conclusion, which was trying to be perfect in any aspect of life, but specifically like with your diet too, will do nothing but like hurt you. And it's just not attainable. And it's like, it's so much better to try. I mean, it was a concept that, I mean, everyone talks about it, but it really did shine through it every single interview, which is the importance of balance. And the importance of building a like good routine and fundamental like underwiring of what your nutrition is and having, you know, great three meals throughout the day, 
but then still letting yourself enjoy those foods that you love or different foods that maybe you have as a child and are super like nostalgic for you. I don't know, just all of them touched on that importance of still taking advantage of the mental and more emotional side of food as well, which I definitely, you know, hoped, but didn't know was going to come through in all my interviews. And it was just really cool to hear that come from athletes who've achieved the most in their career and have had all the best resources at their disposal. Totally. I think one of my favorite little like funny things on diet was I heard Tim Grover who trained Kobe and Michael Jordan. And one day he posted something about how he struggles to leave Costco without getting not a hot dog pizza or whatever, but all three. And I was like, see, yeah, yeah. He's human. you know, like, you know, he's still, you know, I still want my Costco cheap hot dog or whatever. Right. Like, so I think we have exactly. to, you know, while we can have this professionalism towards our, our performance and diet, we do still need to be people. Um, which I think, exactly. you know, as a track athlete, you get to travel the world. Like I want to taste some of the world, right? Like when exactly. you're, when you're getting to yeah. do so many sports that are, you know, get so many other cultures and experiences. Um, That's actually one of the things that April Ross spoke about. She's Olympic gold medalist, sand volleyball for USA. And, and that's one of the things she touched on. She was like, we're traveling around these different countries, like, you know, Spain and Uruguay, I don't know, all these other incredible places. Like I wanted to taste the cuisine and enjoy the food. And whenever you're on like strict, whenever she was on strict travel tournaments that were like super important, she wouldn't let herself for a while. And she was like, I finally just realized it was like, what's the point of all this? Like, that's the fun part. I've got to enjoy the journey too. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the, maybe the milkshake study that they, Mm, that they did about, so so about people eating and what they thought it's Dr. Andrew Huberman out of Stanford shares it. I think they actually did it at Uh Yale, Yale, but essentially they told people they had partaken in a really delicious chocolatey peanut buttery awesome shake and then Mm -hmm. the next time they came back weeks later it was nutritious you know vegan protein yada yada delicious healthy but good for you and they did uh i don't know if it was blood or saliva samples that they extracted and the milkshakes were exactly the same but their bodies had different physiological responses and so Mm -hmm. it just showed that what you think and believe about what you're eating that was the only difference that is so cool actually does. And I think, so, you know, when you believe you have no leeway for a little taste of this or that, then it it actually can sometimes create physiological harm in Mm -hmm. the long term. That's so fascinating. And I totally get it because it probably, you know, induces more stress hormones and more anxiety. If you're like, oh, I had a piece of chocolate this morning, like whatever am I going to (laughs) do? Right. Yeah. And so that's really um, cool. I've seen a lot of his stuff and he's awesome. Yeah. So I think it's just, I think also like the belief of what we're doing and how it relates to our life, you know, plays a great factor. Um, You talked about my mom was a home ec teacher growing up. So even teaching nutrition and stuff, there was gaps, you know, between from growing up in the eighties, nineties and now, and Mm -hmm. what we know now. um, Developed a lot. How messed up the food pyramid can be uh, and things like that. But uh I, my mom did instill a love for the kitchen, which I think it helped, you know, me as an adult in yeah. nutrition. And I think so many places were taking those opportunities to learn how to cook and d- decent nutrition out of schools. Um, 
Was there something else that you love about cooking and being in the kitchen besides the nutritional aspect and the performance it can help us generate? Absolutely. So I actually have a whole chapter on the importance of cooking and it's called run of the kitchen. Um, I was actually a lot of my initial inspiration sports nutrition wise was through reading the run fast, eat slow cookbooks from Shalane Flanagan and Elise Kopecky. I just thought their stories were incredible and, and really trying to change the culture of the running world to like change the culture around helping younger athletes realize that lighter does not equal faster and you should not be restricting your food and yeah. concepts like that, that are a lot more prevalent in endurance sports, but still prevalent throughout every sport. And I spoke about, you know, their books in the beginning of the chapter and how that really inspired me and my story. And then just spoke about how incredible building cooking into your life more can be not only nutritionally and like sports performance wise, but also also helping you connect and bond with the people around you too. I think that's a huge aspect of it that is very underrated and it can really just give you that quality time with people around you slow down, put your phone down and, you know, have a conversation with the person around you that you love and you really do want to catch up with, but you maybe don't set this time aside for I have another chapter where I interview Alan Lim and he worked with a bunch of incredible athletes on the Tour de France and um, sports physiologists. He's written a few different cookbooks. And one of them is all about the importance of eating with others. Mm -hmm. And so in his chapter, that's probably my favorite chapter because it's so it's a concept that people so seldomly talk about. I have honestly never heard anyone else talk about it. Yeah. And it's how important it is to be enjoying your meals with other people. And that's something that a lot of elite athletes can really get away from. Even if you're a younger athlete that, you know, wants to be at an elite level, it can be so easy to like, Oh, well I need to eat this super clean meal and I need to have this X ratio of protein, fats to carbs And so I'm going to make my meal on my own, eat it on my own, and I'm just going to do my own thing. And that's fine. But then it builds up day after day after day. And a lot of these athletes get really lonely and and depressed. And those mental health detriments of being alone are way more negative than one hamburger or milkshake ever could be. It's kind of like you're talking about like the more psychological aspect of what they thought about what they're eating. And I think that really goes to show too the importance of having that experience with the people around you and, and really getting to have that conversation and feel known by the people around you while you're eating. It helps you get more into with your hunger cues, helps you stress out less about what exactly you're yeah. eating in the specific proportions. And, you know, on all sports, especially team sports, it allows you an opportunity to bond with your teammates, which helps you yeah. perform better on the court or on the field. And it's just this, aspect of life that we've definitely steered away from as we've all gotten more busy and trying to fit a million things into our days. And so slowing down to have that dinner together really is something that I feel like could benefit a lot of athletes um, so that they're not getting too stringent and and controlling with what they're eating. Definitely. My mom was Italian too. So like the social aspect. Yeah. Incredible. Yes. So, but uh, yeah, as an athlete, as a teammate, I think, you know, 
besides our family, that's who we end up sharing the most meals with over, mm-hmm. over time, it, it, our teammates. And I think I'm a big, I love what you had to say there about it because in, for your generation, keep going to eat together. Cause it's like, yeah. I think breaking, even the business meetings, people have gotten away from dinner meetings to, for the ease in this and, and that reason. But I do think the old breaking bread, you know, is it? It's one of the most human things you can do. And it just allows you like, it's it's a vulnerable time when you're eating with someone. And so it kind of lets someone in and you, it really is a bonding experience together that if you do take the time to do, like, it'll always be worth it. Yeah. You know, as soon as I drop some barbecue on my shirt, my, like the vulnerability, (laughs) the the guards down, like you just, it's something we do daily. You knock over a glass of water. You're like, okay, the ice is broken. I can't do worse than that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, We'll love what you had to say about the kitchen. And um, what, uh, you know, as you look back, uh, I think seeing a lot of student athletes go through the process, went through it myself years ago, when you, we're being recruited. Uh, what were kind of the things you were looking for? And then what were the things that were a fit that uh, had you end up at Duke? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the biggest things I was looking for were definitely the people, the coaches and the athletes. I I mean, every athlete hopes that their coaches won't change while they're in college. And I was honestly pretty confident that mine wouldn't change and they ended up changing. And yeah like that is something that isn't going to be um, permanent, but whoever you do initially speak with, and then especially the athletes who you're going to be spending your time with for the next four years is just so important because no matter how incredible the school is or how great the trails are, if the people you're around are people that don't understand you or they don't love and respect you, it's going to make a miserable four years. So I was really, really lucky that I, I mean, I went on a couple of other visits too, and, and everyone was super nice, but I just didn't really click. And um, I mean, as I spoke on earlier, I was super big on, on into academics. So I knew I wanted to go somewhere that respected sure. academics and we'd be able to, I don't know, like have homework study dates with my teammates. And it was, some, it was a value that the people around me had as well. So it wasn't like you were missing out on things to study. It was like, you were doing that together. Right. Um, and whenever I got here, I just instantly clicked with all of the girls. I, everyone was so genuine. It was the first thing that I, I really just picked up on and, and kind. And I appreciated just how everyone had their own different passions and things that they loved and were interested in outside of running. I think that running is especially a sport. People can get a little obsessive and let it become their whole <laughs> life. And so it's just refreshing to have everyone kind of have different passions and, and be very unique in their own ways outside of the sport as well. So we didn't have, we could have conversations about other things in life yeah. together. And um, that's something that I loved. All the girls were super kind and the coaches were awesome. Coach Riley and coach Dan recruited me and um, they really believed in me. And it was just, it's so important to to speak to the athletes and make sure that you're having honest conversations with them about, if the coaches aren't like are going to respect you and, and help how you have a good journey. I'm very lucky that I've had incredible coaches throughout my college career. And I 100% believe that's a reason why I've been able to run well. Um, some people can, can run through harder situations, but it's much, much harder to succeed whenever you are in an environment that is conducive towards your success, which totally makes sense. Um, yeah. But it's also hard to evaluate that in, in a 24 hour visit. 
So totally. I think that's why it takes a lot more research, like especially if you're a coach or even if you're an athlete that's looking to look into colleges, do your research beforehand, you know, like look at the girls or guys, social medias, look at the team's social medias. And, and there are honestly a lot of different pieces where athletes can post different like articles or, you know, blogs about their experiences and they'll be, they're honest on those. So, you know, go try and find those things and make sure that it's a place that, you know, you feel like you'll be comfortable at. And for Duke, that was, I mean, it checked off all the boxes for me. It's a beautiful campus academically, athletically. I love the culture around sports too. I think that that's one of the big things around a lot of the different IVs and higher academic schools is that sometimes that can come at the trade-off of not as much respect for athletes. And that's something that is not the case at all here. Like whenever I go into a class, my classmates like, wow, that's so cool. Like, that's so impressive. You're doing another sport. I mean, like, oh, you just got in because you're an athlete and I don't want to be your partner in the project. So <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No I've, I've loved every second of it. But yeah, oh. that's kind of how we make the decision. I love it. What you touched on social media there. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely a new era, new ball game, especially with NIL. Um, Absolutely. Got a, a good following. You've been able to do some NIL things <laughs> in, in the book and maybe have a question or two on that. But um, in the use of social media, right, has its advantages and disadvantages. From your experience, what has been the good of social media for you? And then what has been the part that you wish to ignore? <laughs> yeah. So I... I feel like I should start with the bad and then end with the good. I don't know good now. You want to talk about the formal um, video? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll do that one like in the middle. Okay. So like, I guess more on the bad side, I think that with NIL becoming such a big thing with athletes, it puts a lot more pressure on athletes to get more on social media, spend more time on social media and be posting more and build an audience, which isn't conducive to, you know, getting good sleep, spending good time with the quality people around you, making sure you're getting good recovery in after your workout. Yeah. You're just like, oh, let's make a TikTok right now. We just finished <laughs> the workout. Like, okay, maybe you should be stretching, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I think that there are definitely downsides on that end. I think for me personally, it's so interesting because I've I've absolutely gotten to see success um, on the social media front and, and gotten to do a lot of really cool things with NIL. And I'm so grateful for that. But it is crazy how I, I realized this from the very beginning. And so I've, I've made it a point to enjoy every second along my journey and just be like grateful where I'm at the whole time, because social media is something that is like, you will never reach it. You know, when you have yeah. 10 followers, you want a hundred, when you get to a hundred followers, you want a thousand, when you get to a thousand followers, you want 10,000. It's like, it never ends. You can always get more. And so that can be very detrimental mental health wise and feeling like you also need to be on it and super big comparison game when you can just compare your followers to someone else if someone else's page is growing a lot and I think for me um it's it's I've definitely had struggles with like the comparison part just with like other athletes that are doing a lot NIL wise and seeing like their page going like oh well I should be doing that I need to posting this more rather than just like I think the best thing in life and in sports and obviously in social media, it's like keeping your eyes on your own line and doing your journey. And one of the coolest parallels between all three as well is 
someone else's success will never take away from yours. And so it's always, you know, like it's a big life lesson to realize that you can partake in someone else's success and celebrate them and be so happy and proud for them because there's enough room for everyone to shine. And like, even if, you know, in running, for example, it's one race. Okay. Say they get first, obviously you aren't going to win that race, but there are more races in the future. Like you'll get your time to shine. And it's like, they've worked hard for that moment too. And so it's cool whenever you can get to a point where you're so confident that you're celebrating other people when they are having their times and and, in the limelight. And that's a really cool place to be. And I think that that's a really big positive of social media that I've gotten to see are the connections I've gotten to make and the friends I've gotten to make and being able to celebrate these other female student athletes that I would never have been able to connect with otherwise. Now, because I have a bigger platform reaching out to them, most people I reach out to, they'll respond to. And it's just so cool. The incredible people that I've gotten to meet. And then obviously the opportunities I've gotten have been insane. I I'm signing with Therabody this year, which is a dream. And I have done a couple of different partnerships, whether it's with Dicks or um, Champs, or, you know, I've gotten to do some different sports nutrition company deals like with Tara Bundy. And I, I mean, that's something that I dreamt of as a high school athlete. Like I didn't even think I'd be competing at the D1 level, much less getting to do all of these cool things. And so it's funny being in it. I have to be like, Emily, you have to act like you expected this, but the whole time like, this is so cool. (laughs) Um, Be authentic to you. Yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like that aspect of NIL and social media has just been so cool to see because I didn't expect the laws to change whenever I came into college at all. And it was a very like last minute unexpected thing that obviously changed my life. And so recommendations that I'd have for like athletes going in and and coaches that are helping athletes get into it. I definitely say start building up your social media early on. I mean, I started posting on Instagram in high school and it wasn't anything crazy, but I just like post how many miles I ran every single day on my story. I'd be like eight miles today, like six miles today. And it got people kind of comfortable with that routine and it's like now they expect it they want to know how many miles I ran every day and whatever you find is your thing that you're passionate about making sure that it's something that you enjoy I think that's something that has really helped me is I never feel like I'm putting out content that I have to or I'm like not enjoying it it's always something that also brings me happiness and I also I mean sometimes a lot of times I'll do like I'll post everything I did in that day on Instagram and that's something that works really well for me because I'll just take pictures throughout the day. And then that night I'll kind of get to go through and reevaluate my day and what I did. And it's almost kind of similar to journaling when you get home or kind of going through it. It's pretty cathartic. So I was just going to say what, what are you obviously learned some little things about yourself through that process, right? Yeah. Um, Uh Anything stick out from making those little daily recap videos? Um, Besides how busy I feel you are. like, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like once I do them, it's like, okay, that actually wasn't that hard. But whenever, whenever you're thinking about creating it, it can kind of seem a little bit more overwhelming and you're like, oh, that's just so much work. But whenever I do it, it's just such a great way to get to connect with young athletes and people across the world. I mean, I've got people that are pre-ordering my book from different countries. And I'm yeah. like sending signed copies out to like Canada. I'm like, this is so cool. And that's definitely a big blessing of, of NIL and social media that I'm really grateful for that I've gotten to 
be a part of throughout this whole journey for sure. Well, I like how you create it into creative, fulfilling aspirations, not just things that Thank you. You <laughs> fell in your lap and you can get some cash for. Yeah. Um, you can you can hear your passion when you talk about it. Uh, a couple of questions, one or two as we wrap up here. Um, you know, <clears throat> you've got this following on social media. You've got a book. Maybe some people call you, quote unquote, an influencer as well. <laughs> um, what is the type of influence that you want to have? on the world and through sport? Wow. Hit me with the deep questions. I love it. Um, I honestly, I have always wanted to just be authentic and, and be an inspiration to younger girls, letting them know and, and younger guys too, but especially female athletes, because it's so much harder for female athletes. Like there's such a significant drop off in female athletics whenever we start to go through puberty and like going into high school and trying to get a better retention right there and just inspire these younger girls that like they can do it and realizing that these athletes who are seem to be perfect and maybe at the pinnacle of success in their professional athletes or whatever like they went through super hard times too and everyone has peaks and valleys in their journeys and i think that being able to share the hard times through my social media with younger athletes really um, helps to get that message across and inspire them that no one's journey is perfect and they can achieve big things too if they allow themselves to set those goals earlier on and set their mind to it. And so, I mean, especially through writing my book, the biggest goal that I had was to help empower younger, I mean, athletes of all ages to utilize this huge aspect of their training, which is fueling and understand how big of an impact that can make on their performance and their happiness and how they feel throughout the day, their recovery. I think it's just the most underutilized performance enhancer that exists along with sleep. And obviously with me going into coming from drinking too much water, my, my recent thing is, is helping people understand the importance of getting sodium in their diet. So, you know, through their electrolytes. So all of these little things kind of all come together and inspiring this like next generation of athletes, specifically female athletes that they can do whatever they set their mind to and helping them realize that athletics are something that can empower them to achieve their other big dreams in their life too. You know, maybe your biggest dream is to be a doctor, but if you join the basketball team and you go to basketball practice, that workout in the morning is going to help give you energy and clear your brain and get you ready to, you know, be on point in class and absorbing the topics faster and be more efficient with your work. Working out and being physical is a tenant of life that will help anyone be successful in whatever career they choose. And so I think really helping young athletes get into that and be inspired to get started early is something that can help change their lives forever. And I'd just be happy to be a part of it. That's great. Uh, last question. If you uh, got thrown into a time machine and you got to go a few years back, sometimes our guests get to go a little bit more back, but um, <laughs> if you went back to 16 year old, you, what advice from the, your time since then would you want to give to yourself remind yourself of? I would definitely say this is something I actually say a lot. I'm talking to younger athletes is enjoy 
every single step of the journey. I am very grateful that I have two older sisters who are eight and nine years older than me. So I feel like even when I was in elementary school, they're like, do not take advantage of nap time. Enjoy every (laughs) second of it because we miss it so much. And it's kind of that same mentality of, you know, if you're someone, especially for these young athletes who want to get D1 scholarships or go be an amazing athlete, it can be so easy to get your mindset on where you want to be and these big goals of, you know, two, five, 10 years from now and lose sight of where you are at that moment and how special that time is and how you'll never get back those memories. And a lot of the really cool resources I've gotten to see from professional athletes are like the little moments of braiding your teammates hair in the car, the bus rides to different track meets or the basketball tournaments and the, the travel trips, like playing um, elevator tag in the hotel, oh, yeah. doing things like that. Like those are the memories that you will remember the most even more so than, you know, winning the race or things like that. And so I just think it's really important to understand, obviously have big goals and and chase those dreams and make sure that you're doing everything you can to set yourself up for success in that way. But also remember to be where your feet are and enjoy the time with the people around you because wherever you are in your journey, it's a time that you'll never get back. And especially when, before you get into college and these younger years, it's such a special time where you really don't have that much pressure on you and just really be grateful for that and enjoy it and just have fun because whenever you're able to find that, I know it can be hard with, you know, nerves and anxiety going into sports competitions, but it always is the people who are having the most fun that end up performing the best as well because they're just relaxed and had really truly enjoying what they're doing and allows them to perform better at the same time.